Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. You can't just be a good religious person. It doesn't work. It's not compatible. You will get frustrated. If you're just a religious person who's like, ah, yeah, you know, I just kind of want to live my life in the world, but then, I, you know, I want to make sure I show up on Sunday because, well, I just, you know, it's a safety, right? Like, just in case, what? It's not compatible. They don't last. They can't. It's not going to last. What you need is a new beginning. You need a new start with Jesus. You need to be made brand new. Have you ever had a favorite pair of jeans? You know those ones that are just perfectly broken in and fit just right? What happened when they got a hole in them? Did you try to patch it? Did you know that if you try and put a new patch on those old jeans, the patch is just going to shrink and cause that hole to become even worse? Well, in today's message, Pastor James teaches us about trying to patch up our lives spiritually. It doesn't work. Instead, we have to be made new. But that's okay, because Jesus is in the business of making all things new. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Isaiah, chapter 58, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Verse 1 says, shout with the voice of a trumpet blast. Shout aloud. Don't be timid. Tell my people Israel of their sins. Yet they act so pious, so holy, so righteous kind of a deal. They come to the temple every day and seem delighted to learn all about me. They act like a righteous nation that would never abandon the laws of its God. They ask me to take action on their behalf, pretending they want to be near to me. We have fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed? We have been very hard on ourselves, and you don't even notice it. I will tell you why, I respond. It's because you are fasting to please yourselves. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. Yikes. There you go. This is God speaking to the nation of Israel, in case you haven't caught on to this. You humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance, bowing your heads like reeds bending in the wind. You dress in burlap and cover yourself with ashes. Is this what you call fasting? Do you really think this will please the Lord? Because it's kind of a show. It's a manipulation tactic. It's really what it is. No, this is the kind of fasting I want. Here you go. Here's your outline for fasting. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free. Remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry. Give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them. And do not hide, this is funny, from relatives who need your help. You're like, can, what? No, like, what? Um, Do you know my family? I don't know your family, all right? Just, 
how good are you doing at the rest of the list, okay? You can work on that one. Everybody's like, oh, man. Um, It says this, verse 8, Then your salvation will come like the dawn, and your wounds will heal quickly. Your godliness will lead you forward, and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then when you call, the Lord will answer, Yes, I am here. He will quickly reply. Remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors. Feed the hungry. Help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness, and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden. Like an ever-flowing spring, some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. Then you will be known as a rebuilder of walls and a restorer of homes. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Don't pursue your own interests on that day, but enjoy the Sabbath. And speak of it with delight as the Lord's holy day. Honor the Sabbath and everything you do on that day. And don't follow your own desires or talk idly. Then the Lord will be your delight. I will give you great honor and satisfy you with the inheritance I promised to your ancestor, Jacob. I, the Lord, have spoken. Mic drop. There you go. You want to talk about fasting? How about you do this stuff? How about you do this stuff? How about you quit playing church and you do what I've asked you to do? You want to talk about fasting? There you go. This was not happening with the Pharisees. It was all show. It was all show. Jesus even called them out for it. When they fasted, they would put on a look about their face to let you know visibly that they were fasting. They were in anguish, right? They're like, oh, I wish I could eat that, but I'm fasting. Well, that looks so good, but I'm, you know, I'm fasting. I'm fasting. And you're like, what are you doing? Who are you kidding? That's not for God. That's for you. When they would give, blast the trumpet, go to the giving box. I'm donating this much money toward the giving box. I just want you guys to know that. Like, here's how much I'm giving. Don't do that. Not necessary. Then that's for you, and that's not for him or them. Keep it between you. What did Jesus say? He said, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Just keep it between you and the Lord. It's the same with fasting. It's like there should be a result. And really what he's kind of pinpointing is the fact that your heart's not right. We celebrate because Jesus is here. And that's what he was saying. He's like, the Messiah is here. The question is not, shouldn't be, why aren't they fasting? The question should be, why aren't you celebrating? Why aren't you celebrating? Did you not hear about the paralyzed man who was restored back to full health and is now walking around in your midst? Did you not hear about that story? Did you not hear about what happened with Levi? And how he left that tax collecting booth, that you associated guilt and shame upon him for taking that job? Are you not celebrating that? Are you not celebrating anything else? Even before all this stuff happened, he turned water into wine. Are you not celebrating that? All the demon-possessed people that have been released, the bonds have been broken. The question is not, why aren't they fasting? The question is, why aren't you celebrating? And I think the same question should be asked today especially of the church. Why this? Why that? Why are we not celebrating him? And I'm not saying we don't. And I'm, not, I'm just saying church-wide, 
Now, I'm not talking about celebrating for the sake of celebrating or trying to put on a, a show at church or anything like that. That's silly to me. That's one of the strangest things I've ever seen in my life, is when a church just puts on a show or a performance solely for the sake of a performance. I don't get that. That's nonsensical to me. If I wanted that, I'd find it somewhere else in the world, because they can do a whole lot better, I think, sometimes, if I'm honest. But if you tell me we're going to celebrate Jesus, I've never been to a greater party than one that is centered around Jesus. We should be more like that. Are there times to mourn? Yeah, we mourn. There are times to mourn. There are times to to repent, and there's definitely times to fast. Please let those be for the right reasons and the right motivation. Don't think like, oh, if I, you know what it is? Here's why I'm having such a hard time. It's probably because I'm not praying enough. And if I pray more, then God will answer my prayers. Are you trying to manipulate him? I, I know what it is. It, I'm not reading my Bible enough. And if I read the Bible more, then he would be more gracious towards me. You know his grace and his mercy and his love are absolutely perfect, and in perfect supply for you. It's not based upon your performance. Let me break those chains for you today. This isn't about a performance. And I don't care if it's been two, three months since you've read the Bible. You know what? He still loves you. He still cares about you. And he's still inviting you to come back. Just come back and hang out with me. This is what makes him the best ever. Ever. There's none like him. None like him. None. It's not a performance. It's not a performance. And it should never be about that. And I really think that that's one of the things that Jesus is kind of nailing with these guys is saying, you do this because this makes you feel good. And you think you're supposed to do these things. And and yeah, there should be an element of your life that fasting is a part of that. But it's not so that if I do this, then he will show favor on us, and then he will set us free from Rome. It wasn't going to happen. Not like that. What they should have been doing is just, you know what, Lord? Here I am. Here I am. I don't have much to offer you. And whatever I do offer you, I always seem to kind of mess it up anyways. So, but just here I am. Lord, I love you. I love you. And I know you love me. Just please help me. What, what do I need? I, what I need is a fresh feeling from the Holy Spirit. That's what I need. And that's actually the next thing he goes into. So he talks about the, you know, they don't, at the wedding, nobody fasts while the groom is with them, but someday the groom will be taken away. That's really violently taken away is kind of what the original uh, phrasing there is. Speaking of his death, he says, then they will fast. Their time of fasting is going to come. But then he goes right into this next little parable. He says, besides, who would, who would patch old clothing with new cloth? Right? And I know nothing about this, this type of stuff or this world. Well, I was, grew up in the 80s, you know, kind of, I guess. I mean, you know, I was like 10 at the end of the 80s, right? So it's like, I don't know what was happening other than like, E.T. was amazing, and um, the Goonies were awesome, and uh, that was like my childhood, right? Like, that's all I knew. 
And apparently people like patches because uh, I don't know, there was this thing in the 80s, I think, maybe in the 90s a little bit too, where you just patch your clothing and it probably goes beyond that. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know anything about this stuff. I do know this. If you have, you know, your favorite pair of jeans, you know which ones, I mean, just they're, you probably have had them for like 10 or 12 years because they're just amazing. You get a hole in them, you don't put a new patch on those old jeans because as soon as you wash it, well, that new patch, the old jeans have already had their chance you know, to shrink and all that good stuff. Well, that new patch, if it hasn't been pre-washed or something like that, well, itself will shrink up. And then it tears and makes the hole bigger. And that's what Jesus is just using a very real, practical, real-world illustration. He's like, hey, by the way, it's also like this. When you patch a garment, you don't put a new patch on an old garment. That doesn't make sense. Because of the new, the old, they're incompatible. They just don't go together. And really what Jesus is indicating here is that, well, there's a new covenant on the horizon. In the old covenant, he is there. He's fulfilling the old covenant. The old covenant is not bad. Jesus fulfilled it. But he's saying this old and the new, they don't really go together that well. And the purpose of Jesus showing up was not to patch up the old. He was there to bring a whole new thing. A new thing. Nothing wrong with the old covenant. Jesus himself fulfilled that. He honored it. And he, I mean, you just read through the Gospels, he lived his life according to it. There's nothing wrong with it. But the old covenant, the old garment, couldn't contain or it wouldn't mesh with what was to come. And he even uses this other example. So you got that with the cloth. This is a new patch, shrink away, rip it from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before, right? And then he says this other illustration along those same lines, no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Now, I don't know if you know this. This is absolutely disgusting. But um, they preferred the skin of goats to hold their wine. And you would remove the skin of the goat as whole as possible, and then that's what you would contain, put the wine in. And so then it goes through the fermentation process. And uh, this animal skin has a lot of elasticity to it. So as the fermentation's going on, the liquid and things are expanding, you want something that can accommodate for the expansion, right? Which is just uh, the junior high pastor in me is just going nuts with all sorts of illustrations and funny little quips or whatever. And hair in the wine, like, uh, you know, all that stuff. Like, what's this? Um, you can imagine. I think you're supposed to turn it inside out, but whatever. That's somebody who probably didn't know what they were doing. That would have been me playing a practical joke back then. Um, you know, all that good stuff. So if there's new wine, it has to go into new vessels because you can't pour new wine into old, cracked, dried out vessels because then you lose the vessel and you lose the substance. And Jesus essentially just showing up on the scene says, I make all things new. I'm in the business of making new things. I'm not in the business of renovation. I'm not in the business of remodel. I'm not in the business of making you better. I'm in the business of making you brand new. And that's why we call it reborn. Because the old you cannot contain the Holy Spirit. Can't. You'll burst, right? 
You can't, it's incompatible. Your old life is not compatible with the new wine. It's not. So don't try to make a mix. Don't try to make it happen. You can't. It's not possible. Jesus showed up and he's like, no, no, no. I'm not here to make you better. I'm here to make you new. New birth. That's what he would tell Nicodemus that evening as Nicodemus came to sit with Jesus and ask him all these questions. How can a man be born again? Nicodemus is thinking. Jesus is like, oh, dude, you don't, you don't get it. It's not what you're thinking. It's a new heart. It's a new mind, a new creation. And this, he's given us an indication of like, this is what I showed up to do. You have to be made new. You have to be made new. You can't just be a good religious person. It doesn't work. It's not compatible. You will get frustrated. If you're just a religious person who's like, well, yeah, you know, I just kind of want to live my life in the world, but then I, you know, I want to make sure I show up on Sunday because, well, I just, you know, it's a safety, right? Like just in case, what? It's not compatible. They don't last. They can't. It's not going to last. What you need is a new beginning. You need a new start with Jesus. You need to be made brand new. And this is what he's indicating here for these guys, these very religious people. The Pharisees, you know, the assumption there is the ones asking the questions are more than likely either disciples of John and or Pharisees, right? Now, if they coax some other outsiders to ask this question, it doesn't really matter. I'm glad somebody asked so that Jesus can give this brilliant answer and enlighten us to know I don't care how good you are. I don't care how good you are. Because without being born again, it's not enough. It'll never be enough. And what your desire, what my desire should be is, I want to be filled with this new wine. I want that. Man, I don't want to become so callous, so hard, cracked, and all that good stuff that whatever the work of the Spirit is doing, I don't ever want it to be that it's not compatible with where my life is at. I want to be fresh. I want to be pliable. I want to have some elasticity to myself as well. And be like, man, wherever, Lord, if you're doing this, you're moving over here, sweet, let's go. Let's do that. Let's be a part of that. Holy Spirit's moving. I mean, I want to be a vessel. I want to be a vessel for that. These guys that he was talking to are old, dry wineskins. He's like, I'm not here to polish up the old. I'm here to fulfill the old and to bring in the new. That's what I'm here for. That's what I'm here for. And when you get that, then fasting changes your outlook on fasting changes. And when you get that, your outlook on praying changes. When you get that, your outlook on giving changes. Because it's no longer about religious duty. It's not like I do this because I have to. It's like I do this because I want to. I do this because I want to. Because I've been made new. And those are the three things that Jesus had highlighted. When you fast, when you pray, when you give. New wineskin Christians celebrate those things. You celebrate. You find joy in those things. It's not I have to fast. It's I get to fast. It's not I have to pray. It's I get to pray. It's not I have to give. It's I get to give. 
It's a new way of thinking. It's a renewed mind that Paul talks about in Romans chapter 12. As you present yourselves as a living sacrifice, he renews your mind. He renews the way that you think. And what once was absurd, now it's just an overflow of your brand new heart that Jesus has given you. And he says, I'm going to write this new covenant on your hearts, no longer on tablets of stone, but on your hearts. That's been made new, not remodeled. He's throwing down like really crazy, deep kind of statements here that should cause all these listeners to stop and to pause. Wait, old wineskins, I think he's talking about us, new wineskins. Well, how do you take an old wineskin and make them a new wineskin? Well, Jesus can do that. And what's this new wine he's talking about? What could he possibly be talking about that, that God is offering that I couldn't contain, but a new wineskin can contain? Everybody listening should have stopped and paused to ponder that and think and started asking better questions. Like, wait a minute, Jesus, how do I become a new wineskin? Tell me more about this new wine. Can I get some of that or would I explode? All right? Or like, can you make me in a new wineskin? These are better questions that we don't have any record of them being asked. Now, maybe in private, we know the disciples were really good at this. Once the crowds left, they were like, hey, Jesus, um, we didn't understand anything you were talking about. Um, Care to elaborate? And he's like, oh, yeah, okay. Story. That's three years of walking with Jesus. That was a common thing they had with him. They're like, even there were times where Jesus would be like, you understand? And they're like, "Uh, yeah, no. He's like, okay, let me explain it. It's beautiful. It's amazing. What's cool about this is is one last little thing. The content doesn't change that much. It's wine. There's old wine, and then there's going to be new wine. Still wine, right? Still wine, though you need the new. The thing that changes within this parable is the vessel. It's the vessel. I want to be a new wineskin for new wine. It's wine. The wine is present, so to speak. The Lord is looking for new vessels to fill up with new wine. And he's constantly looking for that to even today. My prayer, my challenge for all of us is this. Be that vessel. Even, um, I think it's in 1 Timothy. I could be wrong. It could be 2 Timothy, where he talks about the vessels within the house of the Lord. Be a vessel that is clean and available to be used by God, to be filled and to be used by him. Well, I've been going to church for 20 years. What are you talking about? You're preaching to the choir. Well, have you stopped to think about it though? Are you filled with fresh wine? With new wine? Or are you still holding on to whatever the old stuff was in those glory days when it was really good and all this stuff? Well, that's in the past. That's in the past. And now today is a great day for all of us to stop and think and like, wait a minute, Lord, and I'm not questioning your salvation. But I do think that at times we come to passages like this where we should all just stop and ask like, all right, Lord, am I still stretchy? (laughs) It's a weird word. You got to be stretchy to follow Jesus. I don't know. You don't want to burst. Am I still teachable? Am I still teachable, Jesus? Hope to the hopeless, hopeless, red. For-
We're so glad that you joined us for a look at the Gospel of Mark here on Bread for the Broken. Pastor James will continue to take you verse by verse through this New Testament book about Jesus. There's so much to learn. We pray that you've heard something today that's drawn you deeper into your relationship with the Lord. Do you have questions about what it means to be in a relationship with Jesus? Well, we would love to hear from you and talk more. So go to breadforthebroken.com and click on contact to leave a message for us. We'll get back to you as soon as we can. Or if you're in the Galveston area, we would love to get to know you in person too. Join us on Sundays or Thursdays as we study God's Word together at Calvary Galveston. You'll find service times, more information, and directions at our website. Once again, that's breadforthebroken.com. We're so grateful for our listening audience. And if this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you consider teaming up with us in a financial way? A lot is done to get these teachings out on the radio. And we're so grateful for those who feel led by God to contribute in that way. Simply go to the About tab on our website and you'll find the Donate link. We'd also like to ask you to be praying for us and for your fellow listeners. We can all use God's guidance and continued grace as we navigate this world with Him. Thanks for praying. If you missed any part of today's teaching, you can also find it on our website, breadforthebroken.com. Thanks again for tuning in today to Bread for the Broken.